Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to ENS Wolves, a podcast sponsored by Adoption at Heart. It's episode 228. My name is Luke Hatfield and I am joined by a man who's without his usual buddy in this podcast, Mr. Liam Keane. No Nathan Judah today, mate. We've finally done it. We've finally got rid of him. He's, he's not even in the continent. It's fantastic. Oh god, it's it's nice to be free from him, to be honest. I'm going to be free from him at uh, Norwich on Saturday as well. He can't complain. Yeah, on your own there. Uh, a long, Norwich. long, lonely journey to Norfolk. How are you going to manage without him? I know, I know. Well, I'll tell you what, I won't have someone yapping in my ear constantly, so it'd be nice to concentrate on a bit of work. You'll, you'll have someone next to you who will bring a, bring ordinary food as well. It won't be <laughs> won't be sushi, it won't be you know dried seaweed. It'll just be something oh, like a pie. Oh my word, I saw, I, for the first time I experienced that seaweed, it was the, it was, oh, I can't forget which game it was, it was a couple of weeks ago. It's interesting, isn't it? It's rank. <laughs> what is wrong with it? I sent it to him as well, I said, that is disgusting. And it was like all slimy and everything, I was like, well, nah. They're like little sheets of like paper, aren't they? Rank. And he dropped one on the floor and it let one on my shoe. I don't think he realised, I didn't say anything, I just sort of kicked it away. <laughs> it was upsetting. I'll tell you what, if he'd have found out, he would have been absolutely good because he loves his seaweed. Um, What's wrong with the boy? I don't know, mate. I don't know. Um, you'd have to ask him. Um, how's your week been? All right? It's good, mate. It's, it's good, you know. We're plodding along. Uh, getting exclusives on the old Graham Hughes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, we, we can come back to that at some point, actually. Um, but no, mate, it's been good. It's been good. Although, today's been my, my day off. Once again, I am spending my day off you know, doing, doing work. Yeah, doing work. Oh, what what did I have earlier? Um, I had someone who covers Norwich asking me to do a preview video, which I'm doing after this podcast. <laughs> do you know what? I forwarded them on to you as well. You did, didn't you? <laughs> oh my word! I, mean, I knew someone was going to forward it on to me, which is I don't, I don't mind doing it, but it's just just funny how it's, I've gone from a day off to all of a sudden my my day's pretty packed uh, because at two o'clock. I mean, we're recording this at what just gone three o'clock. Yeah. So an hour ago, um, someone from the Norwich media team uh, WhatsApped me saying, uh, "Can we do a, a chat over the phone for an online piece for their website?" I was like, "Yeah, sure, let's go for it." So uh, you know, busy, busy, busy. Be. I don't mess around, mate. Uh, you know, it's a twenty-four-seven job. You got to you got to go for it sometimes. Yeah, you do. Um, should we get onto? Should we get into the thick of it? Should we just start talking football? There's yeah. no messing around. The people, the people that hate the fact that me and Judy go on for banter for about 10, 15 minutes are going to be delighted this week. You get three minutes of it with me, and that's it. That's where I draw the line. No um, messing around. Wolves one, West Ham nil. Uh, I've got five talking points for you, Liam. The first Let's one is it. what a bloody great result that is. Fantastic season West Ham are having, but not not when they come up against Wolves. Just on paper, yeah, exactly. Just on paper, it's uh, there. David Moyes is doing a brilliant job there, isn't he? And it's oh, yeah, yeah. it's actually quite nice to see because I don't have any personal affinity with David Moyes. I don't, don't support any of the clubs that he used to manage or anything like that. Um, but it's quite nice seeing him doing well again because he went for a real rough spell, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and my word, he's doing a cracking job. And, and, and you know, he, he's improved some some players that, don't get me wrong, were, were already pretty decent players, but have, I think, kicked on even more. I think Antonio being one of them has kicked on really well under him. Um Declan Rice, I think, all I think is a good player, was kicked on again. Mm. Um, and yeah, they, they've, they've been great. So for them to come to Montmue, which, you know, it's not an easy place to come to, um, but to come there and, and bar maybe the first 10, 15, and maybe the last 
I don't know, 10, 15 again, maybe, maybe 20. They've not really had much of a sniff. Mm. Um, and I think that's testament to Wolves. It was a cracking result on paper. Um, gets them even closer to that top four, which is not something I thought I'd be saying at almost December. Um, but yeah, brilliant result. Yeah, and the performance in general, I mean, as, as you kind of touched on, I mean, I wasn't there at the game. I obviously saw the extended highlights. I always tune into much of the day. Um, and look, there's been times this season where Wolves have, you know, fans would say this as well, I'm sure, would say, not too quite, not quite sure we deserve three points there. But I mean, that game, the West Ham result, they deserved they deserved every single one of those points. I thought. I mean, there was a couple moments where it was, it was a little bit sketchy with, with I think Jared Bowen, who's who's, who's been in good vein of form. Um, you know, he, he threatened, but but ultimately, I thought I thought Wolves were fully deserving of it. Yeah, definitely. You're right when you say about um, a couple of the games where they've been a little bit. A little bit iffy and got and got points, um, and they do have this habit as well, which I've mentioned a few times, of taking a, a slim lead and sort of sitting back on it a little bit, inviting pressure. Um, and they did start to do that as well. They they allowed West Ham to have more of the ball in the second half of that second half, um, and uh, and yeah, Bowen had a big chance before he came off. He had one or two little sniffs in the first half as well, but I think um, the, the control and dominance the Wolves had over the ball, first of all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in turn the the range of passing from the midfield that created the opportunities, particularly using the wings and the wing backs, who I thought played very well. Um, that was what was impressive, uh, and being able to have a good first half like they did against Everton, went two 0 up, had a goal disallowed as well in that game, mm-hmm. in that first half rather. Um, but then in, against Everton, they came out second half and they were very poor, um, very uh, very poor. Actually, uh, harsh. They they just allowed Everton to to get back into the game too much and, and, and sat back, as, as I've said. So uh, to see them come out in the second half against West Ham after a really good first half and to carry that on and in some ways actually eclipse it because I thought you know they created some really good opportunities in that first 10, 15 minutes before the goal came. Mm. Um, that's a real good sign. It's the consistency within games as well as the consistency within results uh, that is going to you know take this team to the next level and beyond. So um, yeah, it, it, it's a good sign. They, they've still got things to work on, but... Um, that was uh, that was really promising, I thought. Yeah, and I mean, you, you touched on it there. The wing backs in particular were really good. Uh, we're going to get onto a certain man in midfield who who really did show what he was all about as well. Um, but Semedo for me was really impressive. Um, you know, there's a don't get me wrong, he should be hitting the back of the net more, I think. Um, but in, in the game against West Ham, he was he was causing all kinds of problems uh, down that right flank. Definitely. I think I'm going to start this off with a, a negative and I'll, I'll swing the positives out of it eventually. I think Semedo this season, if that was Matt Doherty, he's probably on four or five goals already. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think that's fair. Um, and whether, is that a massive criticism? I don't know because Semedo, he's not a goal scorer, is he, Semedo? That's, that's obvious. But he has mm. had these opportunities. He had two one-on-ones against Watford in both halves. He had one after 50 seconds against Southampton. Uh, he had another opportunity or another couple opportunities against uh, against West Ham. So he, he should really be on at least a couple, um, certainly. But he was getting into those positions, which is good, uh, a good sign. Um, I think, I know Wolves aren't really much of a crossing team. You know, I think Aitnor has put a few in and they've, done, uh, they've created a few opportunities from that. But they don't tend to do that as often. Um, mm. But I think Semedo's got into some opportunities to cross it and has been a little bit negative, in, not necessarily against West Ham, but in certain games has looked backwards and passed it backwards. And uh, and uh, I think he could have done a bit more 
I think a bit more decisive really going forward in, in, in certain situations but I totally agree with the West Ham game I thought he, he looked very good going forward occupied good spaces um, made himself an option consistently uh, with, with a real good engine going up and down and then in that last 15-20 when Wolves were inviting West Ham on giving them an opportunity he made some really big tackles and Wolves put that video out I think it was early this week um, mm. of him making a, some really important tackles right at the end of the game and one actually as virtually the last kick of the game as well um, when they're trying to get some crosses in uh, and that is I think a, a, a real moment or a real part of his game that he's really improved on in the last year or so you can see when he first came in there was a couple errors there was you know giving away silly penalties particularly if you're isolating one on one with a tricky winger he seemed to, to bring them down more often than not or they'd get mm. past him um, I think he's rectifying that in his game uh, I think particularly against West Ham he was really good in those one-on-one duels. And I think that's a good sign because I don't think he's actually been bad this season at all. I think he's been quietly consistent um, without being spectacular. So uh, I think that was his best game of this season, certainly. Potentially his best game in a Wolf shirt. So uh, so yeah, I, I was very pleased to see that because I do think there's a... You know, I say there's a player in there. You know, He's experienced and old enough now really to be, to be doing it. But... Um, you know he's moved from Barcelona, a new country. It's it's certainly a lot different, um, but I think he looks more settled now than he has done. So it's uh, it's certainly you know Wolves are going to benefit from that certainly. Yeah, they will. Um, and I said I was going to touch on a midfielder, Liam uh, Ruben Neves. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of talk about West Ham this season. They've got Thomas Suchek, they've got Declan Rice in particular, both of whom are, are, who are hailed as as, as top class midfielders. Ruben Neves outshone them both at Molineux. Oh, I could wax lyrical about this guy. <laughs> I really could. I, you know what? I'll start it this very quickly and get this out of the way. I want to mention Jeremy Tino, I thought was was very good as well. And I think mm. he's been very good this season, actually. I think he's um, he's on a very, very good run at the moment. One of his most consistent runs uh, in a Wolf shirt, arguably. So I'll mention that briefly. But Ruben Neves, I thought, was absolutely spectacular against West Ham. I, I said this before the game um, in, in the last podcast with Nathan that I... I class Declan Rice, I don't think he's quite at the level yet, but I would class him as borderline world-class. I think he's that good. I yeah, really, I, really I, yeah, rate, I, th- I, think I think that's fair. I think he's brilliant. I, I think Declan Rice is a real Rolls-Royce of a midfield. I think he's very, very good. Um, and you know what? He had a very good first 10-15, actually, when Wolves were maybe a little bit asleep in, that, in those, those first few minutes. But um, once Neves got on the ball and once he, once he came alive... Um, he totally outshone who, as you say, two very good midfielders and Suchek, who I also rate very well, very highly. Um, his range of passing was unbelievable. The the vision, uh, him and Moutinho getting out of tight holes and, and, and playing these passes out wide. Um, the, where the goal came from, if you've watched that video where the goal came from, all, all the, the passes where West Ham didn't touch the ball to create the goal. Mm. Very, very simple passes. That's some they, I say they seem simple, actually. Oh, it's the way I'll phrase it. Between him and Kilman and then out to Semedo. But it totally opens the game up when he plays that ball out to Semedo. Um, mm. and there, that's was one, got... there was one early in the game as well where he plays through Raul from deep. Yeah. And Raul, admittedly, fluffs to finish. I, I think it was, I thought it was a really poor finish from a typical was... you know, phenomenal finisher. Um, but the ball to pick him out was absurdly good. 
I'm so glad you mentioned it because I actually forgot about that one. That was ridiculous. But I, I think it was almost outside the foot, was it? Well, I'm, or am I making that up? No, no, it's the other one that was outside the foot, which yeah, I mentioned was... in a second. Um, no, you're right. That one was a, an unbelievable, an unbelievable pass and an unbelievable run, actually, albeit a, a, a poor finish from Real. But um, that range of passing, the creating those opportunities, but then also just the very simple, you know, look after possession and, and, and you know, knocking it about nicely and. and and uh, I thought the back three were very organised and, and they gave Neves opportunities to, to play those simple balls when they needed to as well. Um, I thought everything was was spot on for him, really was spot on. And then that one that I was just about to mention outside of the foot, that um, people have been debating whether it was a, a shot or a, or a pass. I know on Match of the Day they called it an awful shot. If you watch it from the view where the camera is facing Neves behind the goal, hmm. you can tell it's a pass. He looks... Outside of the foot, he plays it deliberately, and it's an absurd pass, absurd, whatever the word is. It's incredible. I think yeah. genuinely, that, I think that's unbelievable. That pass, and it does it, from the angle of, from behind, it does look like a poor shot. Yeah, from a broadcast <laughs> angle, it looks yeah. like he, he skews it. Um, you know, a, a, a la the free kick at Villa Park, which happened to, to find that target into into the back of the net. But you love to see it. No, you're totally wrong. And, and then <laughs> um, you, but the way that, that, I mean, view. the vision and the ability to actually play that pass, because there's some players who might spot that as a potential option, but in the position that Neves was, there's very few who can manipulate a ball and, and get it to, to find that player. Oh, exactly, exactly. That's spot on. And um, I mentioned as I mentioned Declan Rice being, I think, is a borderline, borderline world-class player. That for me was a borderline world class performance, and I, I'm, I'll put my neck on the line and say that genuinely Neves was that good. I'm not saying he's a world class player. Um, I, I do think he can be. Don't get me wrong. I think if you know, God forbid, he moves on <laughs> from Wolves and, and, and goes to I don't know a Champions League side eventually at some point. Um, I do think he can become that player. I think he's that good. But that was a borderline world class performance as an isolated performance. I thought he was outstanding, and he's had games similar games to that this season as well. Um, it's just finding that consistency because he, you know, he didn't do it against Palace, albeit the rest of the squad were uh, were pretty poor that day as well. Mm. Um, but there's been other games where he hasn't quite done it, and then he comes into a game and it all goes right for him, and he's he's almost unplayable. So, um, yeah, massive, massive performance from Neves. Yeah, and another good performance from Daniel Pedence as well. I thought um, looked a threat throughout. I thought he's he's a player that can understandably frustrate because. He's a little bit hot and cold at times. He blows hot and cold, doesn't he? It's fair. To, I think it's fair to say that. But it was hot against West Ham. And another day, Fabianski, if he's not having quite the game he was, because I thought he had a good game as well in goal, um, you know, Pudence probably gets on the score sheet. I think so. Fabianski's a great keeper, isn't he, to be fair? And um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll mix Pudence in with Aitnori in in what I'm about to say here. And this is something I've actually sort of done my preview on, which will be out tomorrow. So uh, have, a, have a read of that. But... Uh, it, this is basically echoing that, really. That you know, Bruno wanted com- competition or wants competition. Um, I think he's he's made it very clear that he wants more additions to the squad, make it a bit bigger, and make that competition a bit uh, a bit deeper and a bit more fierce. But um, when he's got players coming into the side and taking their opportunity when they when it's handed to them, that in itself creates the kind of competition he wants. Mm. So as you mentioned, Daniel Pedence, he's he's come in his second Premier League start of the season. His first one being away at Southampton, which I thought, if I'm thinking back off the top of my head, I think he did okay, but not unbelievable, I think, if, if I'm right in, uh, in remembering that game. But he played in the 
Carabao Cup against Nottingham Forest. Played very, very well. That was his first game back from injury. Got a goal. Um, and then, yeah, he's come off the bench. As you say, hot and cold. Come on, done okay in certain games. But he's, his opportunities have been quite limited, to be fair to him. Mm. And then he starts against West Ham. Probably a little bit unexpected. Um, but he, I think, tactically from Bruno, it was a, a very good call. But I thought Daniel Potence played superbly well. He he dropped into those holes in between the in, in between the lines. Came uh, inside as well as outside. Mixed his game up. But dropped into those holes. Picked the ball up. Sometimes with his back to goal, and then just played these nice intricate passes. Played Semedo through. Played uh, Raul Jimenez through. And then the one time he goes wide, he gets the assist for the goal. Um, he's very neat on the ball, Daniel Potence. And the uh, when you can get him in those spaces in the in the final third, he, he can be dangerous. So him taking his chance is, is perfect. That's what Wolves want because they're going to create that competition within the squad and within uh, individual places. And now Trincao and Traore are looking at Pedence playing really well and they've got to prove or show this week why they should be starting ahead of him. Or if they don't, come off the bench and prove why they should be starting ahead of him. Because for me, I'd play him again against against Knights, which we'll, which we'll, uh, we'll come on to. But... Um, it, yeah, it's interesting because that, that competition is going to be really important, particularly with uh, Trincao and, uh, and Troy, which is a, an interesting situation with them two at the moment. Um, and then mentioning Eight Nori as well, I think it's the, the same applies to Eight Nori, who came in against Leeds a few weeks ago with Marcel being injured. And every single game since then, even the Palace game away, which Wolves were very poor in, he was probably one of the shining, few shining lights in that. Every single game he's done at least you know, a pretty solid performance. And then in other games, I'm referring to Palace there when I say at least. And then in other games, I thought, you know, uh, he was very good against Everton. I thought he was very good against West Ham. Um, defensively, I think he's improving, but going forward, he offers so much more uh, and he's a very different threat. And he's got a great, uh, to Marcel that is, and he's got a great delivery from set pieces, uh, corners and from uh, and just crossing in general. So, um, he kept his place ahead of Marcel for the West Ham game when he came back from, from injury mm. uh, and rightly so uh, because he deserved it he's been brilliant so that competition now you know it's on Marcel to try and force his way back into the side and, and for me right now he uh, he should be kept out of it so uh, so that is a good sign you know they, they're starting to get um, the players fighting for, for places um, and you know we've still got Bolly to get a game in the Premier League this season at some point, and yeah, other yeah. other players to come in. So yeah, it, it's only a good sign. Yeah, and and sticking on this Pedence kind of point because this isn't one of the talking points I've actually got. Um, I thought tactically Bruno Larger played it really really well. Don't get me wrong, I was surprised. If I think I'm right in saying that West Ham have, have usually played a back, a back three, um, or have played a back three at times. I'm surprised they didn't do that against Wolves just because. When you got Jimenez, who's who can, he's got the ability to occupy both centre halves, and then you had Pedence and Huang He Chan, who were a little bit behind them. It was almost like a three-four-two-one, and it gave them all sorts of problems because the wing backs were occupying Cresswell and Johnson on either either fullback, and it just left it, it left an extra man in that area. And, and Rice and Suchet were too worried about the threat of of Neves from deep and Matinho from deep, and it caused them all kinds of problems. I thought I thought tactically larger. You know, got it, bang on. Yeah, they, they overloaded those spaces, didn't they? Because Huang and, and, and Pedence came quite narrow at times, um, mm. particularly Pedence. Uh, and then, you know, they did, they did go out wide as well, but they, they came very narrow and got close to, to Jimenez when, when the wing backs were bombing on. I think Semedo in the first half was the, the furthest player forward as well, actually, on average yeah. positions. Um, so, yeah, I think bang on. And Bruno's, uh, 
I think he I think he'd admit this as well. I think if you asked that he probably has made a couple mistakes this season. I think Palace away tactically they weren't they weren't right. It was not a game for Trincao to be playing and, and they were overloaded mid, in, in midfield. Um and then against equally against West Ham on the other side of the coin, I thought he was absolutely spot on. So mm. um you know there are gonna be games like that because I even at this point, I know he's had a few months with them now, even at this point I would still say they're still in a small, a slight transition phase. Um, it's gonna, it, it does take time. It's not going to happen within a, a couple of months. So uh, he's not going to have that excuse, you know, come back end of this season, maybe early next season. But I think for the time being, that's a, it, it's certainly a factor to, to put in there that they, they're still getting used to what they're being asked of. Um, but I think he was bang on. I totally agree. Mm. And last, uh, the last point is obviously, this is a man who got the goal, Raul Jimenez. Everyone was a little bit worried, um, you know, when he was coming back from from such a, a horrendous injury. Which is, I mean, we've talked for it uh, countless times on this podcast. Uh, I'm sure you and Nathan have as well. Um, and uh, you know, those fears they wouldn't have gone away right away at the start of the season because he didn't he didn't hit the ground running, which is you know completely understandable. That finish against West Ham was one of you know prime Raoul, um in my opinion. Finds the corner, powerful drive. There's no way the keeper's getting there. It's that is peak Raúl Jiménez, and it's it's just great to see it. Bang on. He, um, he, you know, it took a bit of time, I think, for him to get back up to speed. He looked okay in in preseason, got a couple of goals. Um, took a little bit of time, understandably, after the injury he had um, to get right up to speed in the Premier League without putting in any particularly poor performances, but just. Not quite at it. I think there was a couple, you know, heading opportunities that he was struggling a little bit with the headband and things like that. Mm. Um, but I think he's starting to play his best football again now. I thought he was very good against uh, against West Ham. And, and you're right with the finish. the The technical ability for that finish, I think, he cannot be understated. It's you know, it's coming at him uh, with a lot of pace, coming across his body, and to hit it first time and to get the right into the corner of, and, and at that angle as well, I think, is a, a brilliant first class finish. Um, and yeah, to see him start winning, you know, games again for Wolves is nice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And like you just kind of like alluded to, you watch that finish back. It is not an easy one. It's not one where he's managed to set the ball up himself, or he's he's got the room and the, the time to kind of pick his spot. The ball's coming across him, and it's you see so many strikers do this. They'll either snatch at it, go go at it, you know, a little bit too too strong or. Or they'll end up dragging it wide. It's such a hard skill to execute when the ball's coming across you like that, and he has done it to to an absolute tee. Yeah, definitely. And it's nice to see those um, those things start coming off for him again now because uh, he he adds so much to this team. He's so important to the way they play. Um, you know, Bruno will mention it uh, all day long that not just offensively but defensively as well. What he offers um, to the Wolf side is uh, is really really important. So to have him. You know, playing ninety minutes, playing his best football again on the day the documentary came out as well. Um, mm. It was it was pretty fitting. It was uh, it was fate. Yeah, um, and we're going to get onto that documentary. Looks, I mean, I I have actually haven't had the chance to to stick iPlayer on for an hour and watch it, um, but I will do. Looks like an absolutely stunning piece of filmmaking um, from Wolves as well because it was made in house. Well, you you don't need an hour. It's only half an hour, so that hopefully uh, you can find the time. Oh, yeah. well, there we go. Proof that no. I haven't seen it. Yeah, exactly. No, no. It's, so good. Um, I, might, I might watch it twice, Liam. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, I might do. Um, yeah. First of all, credit to the 
the Wolves media team. It was uh, for them to have done that in house. Um, yeah, it was. I thought it was brilliant. Really, really good. Really impressive. Um, and yeah, the you know the emotion of it, how he was shot. You know, looking back at when it happened, you know, he remembers nothing, and then all of the little details about you know finding out that he rang his partner, you know, four or five times on the drive down to London when he was awake again because he kept forgetting uh, the answers to the questions and all that kind of stuff, it, which is obviously you know normal with a head injury of that of that mm. uh, magnitude. So um, all of it was was really interesting, quite emotional, brilliantly shot. Uh, yeah, very very impressive, and uh, I thought it was it was a great piece of work. Um, and then to see Nuno breaking down the way he did was was really quite um, it was quite moving first of all, but very surprising because he's he always has been first of all quite a quiet man, but also just very steely and you know uh, stoic character. Isn't yeah, it? stoic is a good way of putting it. You go as far as saying probably a bit cold as well. Really, that's just the way he is. Um, but he has such a affinity with his players, and that was um, that was a really touching moment actually because he you know he really did let it all out in that recording, which I think not many people expected. And speaking to Raul as well after, as I said, we spoke to him after the the West Ham game in person, and he you know didn't expect that either from from Nuno. Just so to see him breaking down like that was quite it was quite nice. Um, not not the fact that he was sad was nice. It was just you know just to see a different side of him really. Um, and yeah, I thought it was great. It was a really, really good documentary, and, and for it to come out the day that he scored the winner against West Ham, and you know, a year on or near enough a year on since it happened was uh, was brilliant. I'm sure we'll be revisiting a lot of the you know the Raul storylines as well when we get to the first game away at uh, at Arsenal, which is the 28th of December, since it happened as well. So yeah. um, you know, there's a you know a few anniversaries coming up for for Raul in that in that sense. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it's a good moment for him, and uh, yeah, the documentary was brilliant. Yeah, uh, congratulations to everyone on Wolves um, putting that together. Thinking of adoption? We have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the Black Country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for the City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sandwell's Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support, and are looking for re- to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community, irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit www.adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place. Or call 01902 553818. Let's talk um, about one thing before we go on to questions, Liam. Um, and it's one which um, you know might have surprised some people. Wolves, they have links with plenty of clubs uh, they have had before. Uh, not one in Chicago, though. Yeah, well, you say that, but if you look back at the news that we had in... Let me give you exactly when it was. It was in October. Um it shouldn't come as much of a surprise. Uh, so in October, just to give people a bit of a uh, background and uh, if they've obviously forgotten, um, the US uh, investment firm Peak, well, Peak 6, that's it. Yeah. Um, they secured a minority share in uh, Fosun Sports, which was then at the same time a newly created uh, subsidiary company uh, for Fosun International and brings together Wolves and Wolves Records and the fashion, all that kind of stuff. Um 
so so yeah they, they you know they 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 came in and, and they've been working on uh, sort of putting that relationship together peak six you've guessed it uh, are a chicago based firm shock <laughs> yes so to see this now, uh, this new move um, with Chicago, Chicago City, isn't it? Yes, Chicago City um, is no surprise, uh, really, when you when you when you think about it. So, um, so yeah, essentially, it's a you know, it's a, a partnership with them that's going to you know allow them to collaborate on you know young talents and uh, the the chap who's quoted from Chicago has mentioned about you know them being able to. Have give their players more opportunities, so that implies that you know we'll, at some point, seeing some young players from the US probably coming over, coming over here. Um, you'll also, I no doubt, see some some young Wolves players most likely go over there as well. I think it will be, uh, I think that's fairly fairly standard. Really, it's going to be probably a a sort of um, fairly similar to the Grasshoppers kind of relationship, as from what I can what I can gather. Uh, and yeah, it's just another move for Wolves to one, you know, strengthen their hopefully their football position and standing they get some young talents in that are going to be hopefully good players um, or develop the talent they've already got that's on a football side of things a, a, a good move if it can work mm-hmm. secondly uh, which is obviously a big thing of Wolves is the, the marketing the commercial aspect of it and cracking the American market which is what the investment the firm Peak 6 move was all about as well it all ties into that um, they, you know, they've spoken about doing uh you know, uh, setting up community camps and clinics, player exchanges, tours, online content, all this kind of stuff. So you're going to see a lot more of that now over the next months and, and potentially years to come. So um, it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, and this is just me speculating, of course, it wouldn't surprise me to see some sort of pre-season commitment there, mm. not necessarily next year, but although it could be, but maybe in, in the years to come. Because, of course, Wolves were planning to do America as well before the pandemic. So, um, it wouldn't surprise me to see that happen. Uh, so yeah, uh, you know, it's a uh, it's probably a piece of news that in some ways will go over the go under sorry go under the radar a little bit with some fans. Um, but I don't think it can be it can be sniffed at really. I think it's uh, a pretty standard move considering what they'd already done with this investment firm. Um, and it's it seems pretty sort of straight down the line. It's going to have hopefully uh, football uh, as well as commercial uh, benefits. So it uh, it seems like you know a pretty uh, a pretty good uh, move from the club. Yeah, we're interested to see how that gets on. Um, shall we get on to questions? Go on, throw them at me. You know what? You know, there's no messing around with us two. We, you know, we normally got Judah babbling on and giving us some nonsense. You, you're just straight to the point there. You know, it's a it's a streamlined version, but one that I'm hoping the yeah. fans are going to be. And you know what? Who needs Judah? Don't get him back. Exactly. I mean, I, f- I feel like I'm doing a half decent job. Well, we go that far, but you do not right, mate. Okay, okay. <laughs> It's nice to know that you're backing me well. Um, <laughs> Wolfpack asks, if Valencia are genuinely interested in Adama Traore, wouldn't a straight swap for Goncalo Guedes be likely? Valencia are strapped for cash. Wolves have always liked Guedes and Mendes is his agent. Um, one thing I'd say about any kind of transfer like that is how often do you actually see a straight swap happen nowadays? Yeah. Really that's hard to execute. Point. That's a good point. There's so many moving parts in just one transfer, let alone doing two at the same time yeah, um, yeah that, that's a good point which I'm glad you mentioned that so that's on its own is a stumbling block um, I think the you, the other stumbling block for me there and obviously with, this is all you know, hi, uh, you know hypothetical and, and you know speculation on this part uh, from the question but is the does the value match up there I'm not quite sure it does I think Troy was probably 
even despite his contract situations, probably valued a bit more. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's a question mark of not necessarily how much is a player worth in general, but how much is he worth to Wolves? How much is Guedes worth to Valencia? Do they match up? What are the wages like? Yeah. Do both players want the move? Exactly. There's so many moving parts there. Uh, the one thing that the you know the few things I can say about it is you know Wolves had or have had and probably still do have Guedes on their radar. We, you know they they aware of him. They're aware, of course, with him being a Mendes client is a, is important as well. Um, would Chari go there? I've, you know, back to Spain. You know, they're a pretty decent sized club. Uh, you know, I could still, I don't think it's beyond the rounds of possibility. Um, but for a, a straight swap, all you know, throwing the idea up, it's, it's not a bad question. Certainly, I just I think it's un, unrealistic, really. Yeah, like, like I just said, I mean, it, it does happen from time to time, but they're so few and far between, and. It's good. There's good reason for that. Like I said, yeah. there's just so many moving parts that you need to deal with. It's really hard to execute that kind of deal. Um, Richard Roten, where do we see Wolves being in the table and with how many points once we have December out of the way? Mm, where do I see them? Mm. So after December, where whereabouts do I see them points-wise? Yeah. So shall, no. we, shall we go through the fixtures? Yeah, so it's... Well, I'm assuming, obviously, I'm, are we going to count Burnley in that? Because that is technically December 1st. First, first of December, isn't it? Um, yeah. So Norwich is obviously a November game. Um, then you've got Burnley on the 1st, and Liverpool on the 4th, City a week later. Then you've got Brighton away, Chelsea, Watford, Arsenal. It's not an easy month, is it? When you no, look, it's you've not. Got Liverpool and City, really tough games. Chelsea, obviously incredibly tough. Arsenal have improved remarkably since last season. And then Getting on hot... January 3rd as well, you've got Man United. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so look, you highlight Burnley, you highlight Brighton, you highlight Watford. Those are the ones where you really you really want to be picking picking up a, a, a good return from yeah. the others. I think, I think you're asking a lot to expect anything. I think particularly with the games... Around it, you're looking at. You probably want to look to six, seven points minimum from those three. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably realistic. Brighton um, away is not easy, but no, it's not. Brighton, no. Brighton have. I mean, I was I was on hand to watch them lose two 0 to Aston Villa, who hadn't hadn't been great before. Obviously, a new manager, so it's, it's changed things. But I didn't think they looked fantastic. Watford are very beatable, although they've just come off a great result as well. Burnley, we all know what they're about. The, the tough one is you've you know you've got Liverpool and and City in a week. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think you look at Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, United. Could you get away from those games with Arsenal are beatable? Don't get me wrong. Yeah. they're just they've improved. I think could you get away with between? I mean, would this be a decent return between four to six points maybe from those games? I mean, you're, you're, yeah, I think it'd be a good return if you can get if you can get if you can get one point from Liverpool and City. Let's be honest. I think any team in the Premier League, you know, barring those who are right in the thick of the title race slash top four. I know Wolves aren't in bad position in the table by any means, but you, yeah, I think if you I, take a point, you're in, you're really happy. You look at the early games as well. Wolves played very very well, but ultimately lost um, against Leicester, United, and Spurs. So. I think if um, if you can get away with yeah those sort of points I've mentioned there, get into the new year around the top ten mark. I think you've done a pretty a pretty good job there. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'd agree with you um, on that respect. Uh, Super Gran, Renato Sanchez, what is the truth? Were we ever in for him? Yes, yes, they certainly were. Um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was all as, we, as you know, going over old news here. It was all agreed, good to go, and then obviously the medical issues uh, arose. Um, and he's actually come out recently uh, and said in an interview that he there was a, a deal agreed for him to go to Barcelona until his injury actually initially happened. And then he also hinted that Arsenal and AC Milan might be interested. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's the case, it seems. Hard to believe that Wolves may land him, um, but you know, you know, him to come out and say that out in public is uh, is, is interesting because you know players, depending on who they are, will you know will play games by putting news out there, whether it's true mm-hmm. or not true. So take it all the pinch of salt, I'd say, and, and and wait until we actually get to the moment when players can come in. He, he's on the radar for Wolves. I, I, I think it's difficult to say any more than that, really. Um, there's no guarantees they're going to bring him in, uh, certainly. But he's on the radar, they're aware of him. And they, yes, they were they were in for him and it was close. It was just, um, yeah, it, it didn't go through because of the injury issues, really. It wouldn't shock me if they're keen on him in January. It's just a matter of, you know, when you've got a player of that, you know, clear quality. There are I, think, I think he'd be very good for what they need as well in terms of a, player that, a midfield player that can carry the ball forward into that final third. Yeah, because let's be honest, I mean, Neves, we know what. We, I mean, he's just coming off a fantastic performance, but he's, we'll be honest, he's not the most mobile. Um, and you've got Matinho, who's not only getting that much younger. I mean, Dendonka. I, I just think Sanchez is. It would be a, a great addition, but when you've got a player of that quality, there's going to be other teams interested. And, you know, will, will, a, will a team want to lose to one of his quality in January as well? Yeah, I think I think that's pretty, pretty bang on. I think he'd add a lot to this. To this squad, um, so yeah, I'll have to, have, to, have to wait and see. But yes, answer the question. Yes, they were, they were in for him. It was all true, um, and uh, yeah, it'd be nice to bring him in. But we'll see. Yeah, uh, Wolfpack again. Wolves have released videos and pictures this week and last week of Johnny Castro Otto back in training. Have the club said how far away he is from a return to the pitch? Yeah, I'll, I'll go back and double check again, sort of how he's getting on. But I think that it's uh, a new year um, sort of timeline, similar to to Neto. So. No need uh, think, to rush him. Yeah, certainly not. Particularly what happened obviously last year with coming back. I think what was it seven games? I think off the top of my head, and, and you know to have got an injury again, mm. um, or the same injury again rather. So uh, so yeah, have to have to wait a little bit. Um, but him and Neto, once they do come in, will be massive, massive additions. And if you can get them fit and playing, it will be uh, yeah a major boost. Yeah, uh, David Ellerton, do you think Fabio Silva could benefit from a loan spell until the end of the season? With Neto due back and the fact Huang He Chang can play centrally, it's, it's an interesting one. You know, signed as a youngster, obviously, you know, signed for potential as well, big money, but we, I think we're yet to see that potential really come out. Mm. It's, it's an interesting point, actually. I think a good point that you mentioned Neto coming back in and then Huang can play centrally and, and has done actually in a two with Torre against Villa so mm. um, I think if you, if you look at it there and let's say Fabio does go and Neto comes back in that's one for one and essentially they're back to where exactly where they were uh, if he does go off on loan so does it leave the squad a little bit light it, it probably it doesn't make, leave them any lighter than they already are but I think the squad does need beefing up in general so um, I'd be Concerned about letting him go in for that 
sense. And also the fact that, you know, he is learning off Raul every day. He's in training, learn, learning what Bruno wants. Um, but the other side of the coin, the reality is he's not playing football. Uh, he's getting very, very limited minutes in the Premier League. He's uh, he's played a, a two or three times, I think, now off the under twenty threes this season. This season, sorry. So, um, and in one of them that I watched, he scored and, and looked very good as well. So, uh, it's I think it's obvious he's be, he's beyond that under twenty three level certainly, um, but he's not quite getting the opportunities in the in the first team. Would I like to see him get a loan? I think he could definitely benefit from it, particularly if it was a loan in this country, the Championship, perhaps. Uh, yeah, side that plays good football as well. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. It can't be a, a, a you know a hit and hope lump it up up top kind of uh, kind of side. It has to be a side that plays football. Uh, I do think that could work for him. At the same time, you know, he's a young lad. Do you want to send him there? Plays I don't know eight, nine, ten times. Doesn't score a goal. Knocks his confidence. I don't know. It, it's a tough one to weigh up, and there's a lot of things to weigh up. I'd be tempted to do it. I, I would. Um, at the same time. I like the fact that he's learning here and getting opp- and, and getting opportunities in training at, at the very least. He does need to play football, so it's a, it's a difficult one. If he gets more minutes here, I would keep him. If he doesn't, I'd be tempted. Yeah. Uh, last one, uh, Paul Mansell. If Max Kilman is not the best left-footed cent- English centre-half, who is? Um, I mean, yeah. Go on. He's in name, great form. Name one. Name one. I'm going to be honest. Don't even, don't even dare say who I, th- who I think you're going to say. I'm gonna be honest. Don't even dare mention his name. Harry Maguire's a better player. <laughs> okay, there. No, yeah, I agree. Um, and Harry Maguire, let's not forget, is a left-sided centre half. He's a left foot. Yeah, he is left foot, isn't he? Pretty sure he is. I mean, I'm certain he is. He definitely played. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was very. I'll double, very, I'll double check for you, but I, mean, I was very, very worried. You, were, yeah, he does play on the left side. You're right. I know who, who you thought I was going to say. Very worried you were going to say Tyron Mings. I mean. I think, I, I don't Let, think they're a million miles away from each other. Let's not have a laugh. No, 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 I agree. I don't think they're a million miles away from each other. No, don't get me wrong. I don't think, you know, Kilmer's a world beater and Mings is a League Two player. But um, I think on form, certainly Kilman's head and shoulders above him right now. Uh, and I think he's got a rick in him, hasn't he, Mings? He's got a mistake. He does. He, he does. really does have a rick in him. And, uh, and Kilman's been... Faultless, to be honest, <laughs> barring maybe one or two errors in the Brentford game, which you know, Aaron is actually a right footer. Oh, he does play on the left side, though, doesn't he? Yeah, but yeah, the question yeah. was, who's is there not a best left-footed centre-half? Left-footed, yeah. So if you're going to say left-footed, yeah, it's, yeah, if you're going to be picking out Forgive the nuances me. of the question, um, my, my assumption was that Maguire was left-footed because he plays on the left side. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. The fact that we we can't think of a name straight away is probably a good sign, isn't it? You know, I, I, I think Kilman has been brilliant. Don't get me wrong. You can't get ahead of yourselves and say you know he should be playing you know in the first team for the World Cup uh, in in next uh, next winter. But he's doing very well, and I think hopefully those opportunities won't be too far off for him. Um, he's got a new deal at Wolves. He's in the team. He's playing on the right side as well. You know, uh, technically out of position. Um, he's looking very comfortable, so um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a good spell for him. His best spell by by far, and it's you know finally happening for him, which is which is great to see. It is indeed. Um, yeah, who knew Harry Maguire right third? Beyond me. Um, right, let's talk Norwich Wolves. So you look at this game on paper, and you think three points nailed on. Um, unfortunately, they've just picked up a new manager, and they've just picked up a result. 
Norwich. So it's not going to be as easy as, as you know, no game in the Premier League is easy. But it's not going to be quite as easy as Wolves might have hoped. No, and I think, um, to be fair to Dean Smith, I do think he's a good manager. Uh, I think his teams are, are well drilled. Um, I think he... He's almost like a you know an old school style manager with some with a bit of a modern twist. Uh, I think is probably an accurate way to describe him. Um, and I think he'll do uh, you know he'll get this Norwich team playing. I think I've got some good players. You know Josh Sargent's not not you know a terrible player. I think he's handy. Timu Puki scores goals. That like Rashika on the wing is a good player. Todd Cantwell I think is uh, is is pretty he's got quality. He's got, he's quality. got some quality. Billy Gilmore. Gilmore, I think, is a great player. By the way, I, I saw him play for the um, at the Banks' Stadium, uh, Chelsea under twenty ones versus Warsaw in the EFL Trophy, uh, and he was very, very, very good that day. So uh, it's a funny point. Who is he? The best like player you've seen, like as a youngster who's gone on to to, to develop into a real player. I suppose he's still young. Yeah, um, potentially. I, I, actually, that same game, I saw Tarek Lamptey. For Chelsea ah. before we went to Brighton, and he scored two goals in that game. Warsaw actually came back and won three two. Funny enough, but um, so yeah, it, I think you know I big time rated Gilmore when I saw him. I thought he was very very good. And then you know Daniel Fark never played him, never got a sniff at Norwich. And now first game, Dean Smith's thrown straight into the the midfield three, and I think he'll play again. Um, I th- you know I think he's a he's the best passer of the ball in that Norwich side, as far as I can tell. Um, and I do think you know they. You look how tight it is at the bottom of the table as well. People are writing Norwich off because they've had a bad start, but mm. you know they're nineteenth. They're what, three points off safety. Yeah, they're not miles off. I you mean, know. they had a dreadful start, um, horrendous start, <laughs> really, really bad start. But they're you know it's more than doable. You know, there's teams around them: Leeds, Burnley, Newcastle. They're all struggling. Yeah. There really is opportunities there for them to to get out of trouble and the fact that they they didn't win a game all the way up until just before the international break Fark beat uh, Brentford and then got the sack and then yeah. and then Swift's gone on and won his first game against Southampton they've won two in a row you know they're, they're in their best form of the season yeah it's not, yeah. not going to be hard it's not going to be easy it's not going to be hard it's not going to be hard mate it's not going to be easy it's not going to be easy and, you know it's uh, no as Wolves have found you know when Huddersfield Got, came bottom and got relegated but beat Wolves twice and they won three games that season and beat Wolves twice mm. um, there's no easy games in the Premier League so you know they've got to they've got to be at it they do um, fun fact uh, I saw a young Jamie Vardy playing for Halifax Town against Nantwich Town once oh very nice I like that yeah so that's my uh, you've seen a young player and I thought he scored a hat-trick that day I was like he looks decent player he might be able to cut it at you know championship level one day <laughs> Obviously, goes and wins a Premier League title. Um, where do you think this game's won, Liam? Norwich, Norwich Wolves. Is it is it the midfield? Is it is it up front? That's a good question. Um, I think if you get the forwards, whoever plays on the wings. I mean, Huang and Jimenez are pretty much nailed on to play. So it's whoever plays in that other wing position. Um, if you uh, get them, Dent has put himself in a great spot. Yeah, I, for me, I'd, I'd, I'd start him again after that performance, um, but. Bruno has not been afraid if he sees a tactical reason uh, to make a change, and particularly on that right side, because as I say, Huang and Jimenez are pretty much nailed on, um, then he'll, he'll make a change. So it wouldn't surprise me if he does, but I I would play Pedence there um, after after the Saturday's performance. Um, and if you can get them on the ball, particularly Huang and Pedence, um, get them on the ball, link up with the wing-backs, 
and uh, and get the ball out wide initially and then work inside and, and find Jimenez. I think that's where that's where the game's won uh, for Wolves. I think defensively they've been pretty solid recently. Um, and although it's not easy coming up against you know a pretty instinctive goal scorer like Timo Pukki and the, you know the other players I've mentioned, um, I think if they can do that going forward and be on the front foot and keep hold of possession, that's the big one. Keep hold of possession because when they had a team that's pressed them and they've lost possession, i.e. Leeds and Palace, that's when they've struggled. Um, then I think they and actually Villa as well, arguably. I think they that's where they'll win the game. And uh, if they can get the ball forward, keep hold of possession. That that's where they'll win it because I think defensively they're solid enough to keep Norwich quiet. Mm, for me, it's the wing backs. Can they actively because we're going to see you know a four three three or some adaptation of it from Norwich? Can they? Can the wing backs? Can Samedo and like Noria, whoever it might be, pin the wingers back? Can they cause the wingers enough problems where they can't impact the game going forward? Um, because if you do that, then it becomes much easier defensively, um, and you're gonna you're, you're gonna cause Norwich issues. They're, they're going to be a little bit toothless. If you don't do that, then those wide players can you know can get up Wolves a little bit. I think when you're playing three centre halves and you you basically man for man there, and if someone runs in from midfield, is that a deep runner, um, a la like a Gilmore or someone else, then then they might be able to cause you problems. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean the. Eight nine Samedo, as you said, against West Ham played very well as well. So um, you need to be high. They need to be higher at the pitch, and that's where they're going to be able to create the uh, the problems. Um, and as I say, you know, the goal came from Neves finding against West Ham, Neves finding Samedo and, and getting the ball forward and making overlapping runs. And, um, and actually, in that goal, when you see Jimenez finish it, Samedo is the first man forward. He's just approaching at the goalkeeper as the mm. as the as the ball's hitting the net. So. Uh, get them forward and into dangerous areas, and, and you know, Ignore has got a good delivery. Uh, he's set pieces, as I mentioned already. The corners, he, he's got a very nice whip on his left foot. So uh, there's opportunities there, and I, I can see. I'm going to put this out there. I can see Wolves getting a getting a set piece goal in this game. I think get a corner in. Um, one of the one of the big lads on it. Yeah, that's my that's my mini prediction within the the rest of the chat. Yeah, I want to. I, I really want to see Raul kick on and, and get another one. Scoring successive games and and you know continue that that vein of form because I look the one area I look at with Norwich and I do think you know they can be got at you look at centre half I don't think they're particularly strong there. No, I, no, I agree. But they've got um, Hanley and Gibson started uh, their last two, didn't they? Um, and uh, right, I think they can be got at certainly. Uh, I think they're decent in the air. Don't get me wrong, but I think Raul's a very physical striker in himself. He, you know the way I describe Raul is an all action. Strike. I think he can do all of it. Pretty much, he can do everything. Um, he's good with his back to goal. He's good running in behind. He's got good finishing. He's good in the air. He's physical, technical. Uh, so I think, yeah, get him on those two. And, and as you mentioned, actually talking about uh, West Ham, Raul can occupy two centre halves pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty well. You know, he's he's good at that. Um, and they do well. They head well. At least in their first game under Smith, they did play a four. So. Um, if they play that again, which you know I've got no reason to think they won't, then uh, I think that's uh, a good sign. However, they also played a three midfield. Neves and Moutinho, if they do start, which I think they will, need to not let themselves get overrun. Uh, don't let Gilmore have any time on the ball and start playing it round. Um, keep hold of possession and control possession. Uh, and then in the transitions, make your make your forays forward and hopefully pick a few goals up. Yeah. Um, 
interesting kind of side note actually. I, I, I read a good story. I think it was from Neil Moxley on on Jimenez the other day, saying that yeah, teams in the top six have, have probably missed out on him now. He is he is the true definition of an all round striker, isn't he? All round number nine. Yeah, yeah, they probably have as well. You know, because he because of his age, he'd be thirty one in May, I think it is, off the top of my head. Um, and obviously the injury, and you know, it's good for Wolves that he hopefully won't be going anywhere. Um, but you're right. I think they have missed. I think that the time has gone really, and I think uh, he probably hasn't got a big, big move in him now. Um, but as I say, it's good for Wolves. I think he's. I think he's still, you know, more. They've got more than enough quality. You know, when a player turns thirty or almost thirty-one, they don't all of a sudden lose it. Uh, I mean, some players will, but I don't think Raúl will. Um, he's not ancient by any means, uh, and yeah, I think he's uh, he's so valuable to the to Wolves the way they play. Commercially off the pitch, everything. I think yeah, he's 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 a he's a real massive figure at that club. So lineup wise, you wouldn't change a thing, no. I actually wouldn't. No, I, I, I'd leave it as it is. Um, the the arguments that some people might make is Truri and maybe Pedence, maybe Dendonka into midfield. Although I don't think after that performance you can drop the Moutinho or Neves. Um, but you know the fact they're playing a three, maybe you'd play three midfield to match them. I don't know. Um, mm. Arguments of do you change Marcel bring him back in? I don't think many many would say that. I think Ignore has been very good. So uh, and and as you know the back three, I don't think any of them deserve to be dropped out. I don't think Bolly deserves to come in just yet. So yeah, I, I'd leave it as it is. Uh, Saar, uh, Kilman, Cody, Sai, Smedo, Ignore on the wing uh, wing backs. Neves and Moutinho, and then uh, Huang, Jimenez, and Palencia up top. Yeah. Um, do you want to detail this week's competition, Liam? I certainly do. Uh, yes, so due to away, I'll be the one tweeting uh, about it. So um, when I put my tweet out about the, the podcast, uh, you have to retweet it, please. Um, and then you'll be entered into the competition and then I'll pick it uh, at random uh, just before kickoff. Uh, I think around about two o'clock-ish or just after on Saturday. So, um, and that is, uh, and then obviously whoever the winner is will then win uh, a shirt of their choice, provided that my prediction for the scoreline comes true. So the pressure's on me as always, and I haven't got one right so far this season. Good uh, sign, that. I'm not. I'm not been far off with a couple of them, but uh, we could say we're we could say we're overdue. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good way of phrasing it. So I've got my prediction ready to go already. I'm gonna. I know what I'm gonna say. But I'm going to ask you for what you think first. And this is not for the competition, this is just out of interest. Do you just want a score prediction? Yeah, score prediction, that's all you need. I'm going to give you more than just that. I think it's going to be 2 1 Wolves. Jimenez first goal scorer. Okay, stick the money on. Uh, that's not for the comp, this is for the comp. I'm going to say Wolves win 2 0. 2 0. 2 0. There you go. Fantastic. No mess around. Uh, so if that, you know, I'll yeah, retweet my tweet when I put the. Uh, the, the link and uh, the, the, the podcast out which should be later today I think if not it'd be Friday morning but uh, either or um, retweet that Saturday I'll choose a winner before the game and then I'll, I'll tweet out so that person knows who it is and then if it is 2-0 you've won a shirt there we go perfect not a bad offer in a shirt either this season I don't think I, I you know what the for my birthday's coming up just after Christmas and the uh, the missus has uh, has ordered me the the white third kit. Nice. I think that's my that's my pick of all kits this season. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really nice. So uh, it's uh, it's on the way, but I won't be I won't be getting it till uh, t- 
till late December. December 29th, if you'd like to know, actually, the day after the Arsenal game. It's my birthday. Christ you couldn't be hinting more for me to get you a gift. <laughs> you? I'll, I'll take a pint, it'll be alright. You'll get, you'll get a tap water in a dirty glass. Yeah, to be fair, imagine my shock in trying to ask Hatfield to get his, put his hand in his pocket. No Whoa! Chance. No chance. Whoa. Unbelievable scenes. Uh, on that bombshell, I think we're we're about done. Perfect. You got anything you'd like to add to this episode? No, uh, just uh, thank you all for listening. It's been uh, fun as always. I think it's going to be me and you again next week, isn't it? Julie's yeah, it not back. Yeah, it will. So I'm, I'm ha- actually I'm actually at a game as well. Believe it. Oh or yeah, not. you're coming to Burnley, are you? On the Wednesday. Perfect. I am. I'll be so, there. Uh, so yeah, so we're good to go, mate. I'll. Uh, although I've just had a very interesting thought. Go on. Which is probably something to discuss off air. <laughs> but I'm, uh, yeah, I've, I've actually got the Thursday and the Friday off next week. I'm going to see Ricky Gervais at, uh, in London at Wembley. Oh right. So we may have to squeeze the podcast in somewhere, but we'll we'll discuss that. <laughs> we'll we'll find a, you know I won't let anyone down. We'll still get it done. Are you trying to suggest a post-match podcast? Uh, maybe, maybe a pre-match. <laughs> <laughs> not, not actually on the day of the game maybe Tuesday oh, we'll see mate we'll see we'll figure it out don't worry we'll figure it out there'll, there'll be one Hatfield's not going anywhere for this week anyway and then once you know next week's out of the way we'll be binning them off again yeah exactly that's it temporary loan move for me um, right that just about does us uh, anyone listening if you could give this podcast a rating and a review on your preferred podcast provider it would be wonderful it would help us massively um, and obviously it's just nice to say nice things and share this podcast with another Wolves fan who might not listen you never know they might like it as well but from me and from Liam goodbye for now